Well, today, if you want to follow along, there's one verse, Proverbs 22, 6. I know this is a verse that you probably have heard before. Maybe you've quoted, maybe you've prayed it, maybe you've depended upon it in many ways, many different places, many different times. And uh, if you have done that, uh, that's wonderful and good. I just uh, I want to uh, just challenge you uh, that if that is the case, as I've challenged you in the previous couple of weeks, that there is an opportunity to hear a new message from the Lord, and I pray that be the case today, that you'll not tune me out today, uh, because I believe that God has a word for us, each and every one of us, every time we open His Word, regardless of how many times you've read the Scriptures, regardless of how many times you've read a particular verse. God is new every day. His ways are new every day. Now, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but He has something new and fresh for us every single day of our lives. And it uh, is an opportunity each and every day for us to have a new faith for the moment. Uh, we don't depend upon and rest upon faith that we had yesterday for today. Now, we have new faith today for this moment, and we'll have a new faith for tomorrow as well. And when we look at this passage of Scripture in Proverbs 22.6, it's, it's teaching us to train up our children in the way of the Lord. And when they grow older, they'll not depart from it. I want us just to break that down this morning, and I want us to look at this in terms both of of, of the opportunity that each of us have to make impressions upon and make an impression upon children around us. But also, I want us to look at it in terms of how we collectively, as a church, have an opportunity to train up the children that God has entrusted to us as a body of believers. You know, right now we're adding to our church family. Right now, this very moment, Brittany is, is giving birth. May have already done so. I don't know. I just got a buzz a while ago. I don't know. Maybe I should check my messages here and see if uh, if I'm being told that she had a baby. We we have been blessed uh, with a great number of children, young and old. Uh, we have a great number of youth, great number of children in our midst. And this is a great opportunity for us, each and every one of us, to have impact and make an impression upon their life. You see... What this passage is, is a charge to each of us, to all of us. It's a charge to parents, of course. It's a charge to grandparents, of course. But it's also a charge to each of us as friends and each of us as members of this church. It's a charge to us because every time we come into the presence of a child, we are making an impression. We are helping to train them up or we're missing the opportunity to do so. As one man once said, Children are like, maybe been a woman said this, I don't know, I guess I should say that. I don't know who this was attributed to originally, but said, children are like wet cement. Whatever falls on them makes an impression. And that's true. Every time you come into the presence of a child, you make an impression. Whether you think you do or not, whether you believe you do or not, every time we come, each of us come into the presence of a child, we make an impression. They are being influenced all the time. Children, our kids, are being trained. You see, that, that word train up means to make narrow the way, to initiate, to discipline, to dedicate. And our children all the time are being trained, initiated, dedicated. The question is, is will it be to the ways of this world or will it be to the ways of our God? You see, they are going to be trained up. Mama, Daddy, you need to understand. Grandma, Grandpa, this morning, you need to understand. Aunt, Uncle, you need to understand. 
those children in your family, those children around you, they are being trained up one way or the other. And they are either being trained up in the ways of the world and pop culture, or they are being trained up in the ways of God. Now, likely they are being bombarded with information from both. The question is, at the end of the day, will they be trained up in the ways of God in such a way that they will be able to discern what is of Him and what is of the world and follow our God? That's the great question. This scripture has a great promise, but it's a promise to those who take seriously the opportunity to make this impression upon their children and do so in such a way that the answer is, at the end of the day, our children have been trained up in the ways of the Lord. They have discerning hearts accordingly, and they are following our God faithfully. I want to share just some things with you, though. And I want each of us to understand the challenge that our parents face today and that our kids face today. And this morning is going to be an eye-opener for some of you guys. In fact, I, I will just go on a, out on a limb here and say it's going to be an eye-opener for all of us in one way or another. You're going to hear something this morning that is going to impact you and probably change the way that you see childhood today and probably change the way you see your opportunity to raise kids, probably change, and I pray, change the way that you see the opportunity to make an impact on the children here at our church. The average child between the ages of 8 and 18 spends, on average, 44 and a half hours a week in front of a screen, whether it's a phone, an iPad, or a television screen. The average child, the average child between the ages of 8 and 18 spends 44 and a half hours a week in front of a television screen. The average elementary school child will spend this year, just in this school year alone, 943 hours in the classroom. 943 hours in the classroom. Now, the average child between the years of kindergarten and the 12th grade, if they attend church 90% of the time, now, I'm just going to say up front that most do not have a 90% attendance rate any longer. That may have been long ago people came that much, but unfortunately, most children are not attending at a 90% rate. But if they were to attend 90% of the time between kindergarten and 12th grade, the average child will spend in Sunday school or in children's worship, as in our case, will spend on average in all of those years combined 608 hours in religious training. They will spend 943 hours in school this year, but they will spend between kindergarten and 12th grade 608 hours in some type of religious education at the church. On average, mothers spend 13.7 waking hours with their children each week. Each week. Fathers spend 7.2 hours with their children each week. So who's training our kids? Judging by the numbers, the Internet and the educational system have much more opportunity, as much or more opportunity for influence upon our kids than parents or the church. That's depressing, isn't it? The Internet or the schools have more time with our kids than parents or the church. So this begs the question as we look at this verse today, who is training up our children? And what can we do about it? I mean, we're not living as they did a 100 years ago where we were on the farm and Junior would come 
on alongside me and do the chores around the house and then go work out in the field with me and spend all day with me, right? I mean, we can't significantly change how we spend our time in that sense, but but we can change the way we use our time that we actually have, right? I mean, we can limit how much time our children spend in front of screens, right? I mean, that's something we can do. I mean, it's unrealistic to say our children will spend no time in front of any screen whatsoever. I mean, we live in an informational age. We live in a computer age. They're going to be in front of the computer at some point, and it's not always a bad thing. They're going to have an iPad in their hand at some point. It's not always a bad thing. There are a great many good things with can come with those devices. But we can certainly limit the amount of time they spend in front of them so they are not spending 45 hours a week in front of a screen, right? I mean, we, we can make sure that our children are educated by ourselves in the case of homeschooling or by people who share the values that we have, right? I mean, we have a responsibility as parents to make sure that the teachers we send our kids off to each day share the values that we have and that they are not going to school and learning things which would make us blush at home or completely go against what we teach our kids as far as right and wrong at home, right? I was recently told by someone about a teacher in elementary school who made was not embarrassed whatsoever to tell her children that, about her live-in boyfriend. Now, what about the, the Christian that sends their child off to that teacher and is trained by that teacher hours every day and every week and is bombarded with that kind of ethic and morality? You say, well, you can't shield your children and you can't, I mean, you can't protect them from everything and you just got to let them go out there and learn about the world. Let me tell you something. They don't need to learn about the world at age seven. They don't. Not from other people. They need to learn about the world at age seven from me and from you and not from the godless. And as they're raised up in the way they should go by me, you, and the people who follow Christ, they're going to have discerning hearts to know right from wrong, and they're going to see the godless for what they are. You see, we need to make sure that our children are being trained up by people who share our values if they're going to share the process of training up our kids. So this responsibility to train up our kids is significant. And let me tell you something. As a church, we must make... Make the most of every single minute we have with our kids in their most formative, that should be formative, not informative, but formative and impressionable years. You see, we can limit the negative influences in their life. We can make sure those around our kids that are training our kids and helping train up our kids share our values and share our faith. And then we can make the most of every opportunity that we have with them, period, in general, especially as a church. Now, I realize we live in a world that is broken, but we can mitigate the damage this world does to our kids. See, the call to train up our kids is a responsibility and an opportunity that we have to take very seriously as parents, grandparents, as Christians. Because our kids, they're being trained. And we, if we don't take our responsibility to train them seriously, if we don't guard their hearts and minds from the trash all around us, if we don't pour into them the good things that God has given us, we fail them and we doom them. Train up your children in the way. Now, the way is Jesus Christ. The way is Jesus. 
We're called to show our children Jesus and to help them to develop a Christian worldview. We have the responsibility and the opportunity to focus the lives of our kids. That train up, remember, means to make narrow, to show them the narrow way, to focus them upon Jesus. We have the opportunity and the responsibility to show them the law of God and help them understand right from wrong, to show them their place before God as sinners, to show them Christ and His salvation from sin. You see, kids need to know right and wrong according to God, not Kanye West or the Kardashians. But you see, they're going to know right from wrong either from the Kardashians or from God. And how are they going to know what God says about right and wrong unless we open our mouth? And let me tell you something. You say, well, this is really just a sermon for parents. No, it's a sermon for parents and all the rest of us because we have a responsibility and we have an opportunity to come alongside our parents and to shore up what they're doing and affirming and confirming what they're doing and helping them raise their kids and helping uh, so that a voice outside of mom and dad is confirming and affirming what they're hearing at home from mom and dad about what God says about right and wrong. You see, our kids need to understand what constitutes marriage from God and His Word, not the Supreme Court and the government. They need to hear it from us. Our children, they need to know what constitutes abundant life according to what Jesus said, not according to what they see on Facebook and Instagram. Everybody has abundant life on Facebook, right? Everybody's life is wonderful on Facebook. You see, we need to teach reality and what is actually abundant life. And they need to hear that from Christians. They need to hear that from mom and dad. They need to hear that from the church. They need to know that from the Word of God. Our kids need to be taught the cost of sin, of doing wrong. They need to be taught its ugliness. They need to be taught about eternity separated from God in a hell that was not prepared for human beings, but for the devil and his angels. And unfortunately, human beings go there who die separated from Christ. They need to know these things. Kids need to know about the cross, the love of Christ, and salvation by grace through faith in Him alone. One of the greatest tragedies today is our kids are being bombarded with universalism. They're being bombarded with the idea that every way is as good as any other way. That there are many ways to heaven. And there is no exclusivity that Christianity should claim for itself. You see, our kids need to be taught what the Word of God says. They need to be trained up in the ways of the Lord. They need to be trained up in Christ. What a great privilege to do that. You know, our kids are searching for truth. And we are called as parents, we are called as the church to give it to them. And we need to understand that this is a time-sensitive thing, folks. We need to understand the urgency of this opportunity that God has given us. You know, I was looking at some recent statistics that said 85% of people, and I want you to listen to this, 85% of Christians accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord of their life between the ages of 4 and 14. 10% accepted Christ between the ages of 15 and 30. 4% 30 and over. We focus so much of our time and attention on adults. 
But it's during these impressionable years when they are learning right from wrong and what truth actually is that most who will accept Christ do accept Christ. We are to train up our kids and we are to train them up in the ways of the Lord, the way of the Lord. We are to train them up to know Jesus and to know a Christian worldview and the time for doing so is now. How many parents have cried and weeped tears of anguish for adult children who have gone the way of the devil? Who have gone their own selfish, self-centered, sinful way And how many of those tears have been shed for missed opportunities that they had to train up their child when they were little? The Scripture says when you train them up, they'll not depart from it. That's a tremendous promise, isn't it? I want to tell you a little story that illustrates this point better than anything I ever read or found concerning it. It's a true story. It comes from The Pulpit Digest, which a man used this illustration. I'm going to read this to you today. Philip Hale wrote of a little village in Le Chambon, France, a town whose people, unlike others in France, hid their Jews from the Nazis. Most people just turned over their friends, turned over people they'd lived with for years. The Nazis came in, where are the Jews? Under threat of death, they would just turn families over and they'd be taken off to to to, to be exterminated. But this little town right here, they hid all of their Jews that they had in their town. And so hell went there wondering what sort of courageous, ethical heroes could risk all to do such an extraordinarily good thing. He interviewed people in the village and was overwhelmed by how ordinary they were. They weren't heroes or smart or discerning people. Hale decided that the one factor that united them was their attendance Sunday after Sunday at their little church where they heard the sermons of Pastor Troshmay. Over time, they became by habit people who just knew what to do and did it. When it came time for them to be courageous, the day the Nazis came to town, they quietly did what was right. One old woman who faked a heart attack when the Nazis came to search her house later said, Pastor always taught us That there comes a time in every life when a person is asked to do something for Jesus. And when our time came, we knew what to do. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that just a simple confirmation of what this verse says? And you know something? It isn't just pastors who have this opportunity. It's not just pastors who have this potential. It's every single one of us who have anything to do with a child. You see, each of us are pouring right now into the lives of a child. My parents, of course, were two such people that poured into me, but so was Walter Copeland, a deacon in our church that I grew up in who was the director of the fourth and fifth grade Sunday school department when I was a child. His simple and quiet life and love of Jesus taught me who Christ was and taught me that What the Bible said was something more than words on a page. People like Janine Dumas who taught me the books of the Bible in vacation Bible school. People like Miss Norman who when I was in first grade was already about 75 years old and she in her very sweet and simple way taught me about Jesus. People like Patty Busby who taught our children's choir when I was in elementary school who loved the Lord. 
The reason that I love, follow, and preach Jesus is in no small part due to these people who made impact in my life, made an impression upon me, taught me the reality of my faith. It wasn't just stories. It wasn't just an ideal. It wasn't just something to hold up out there to aspire to, but it was something to be realized by faith in Christ, something to be walked, something to be lived, something that made impact, something that changed you. That's what these people did for me. That's what you and I have opportunity to be a part of every single day. How much impact does the world make on our kids? Well, let me tell you. In 1960, the greatest fear of grade school children were animals, being in a dark room, high places, strangers, and loud music. I'm loud noises, I'm sorry. By 1990, kids were afraid of the following. Divorce, nuclear war, cancer, pollution, and being mugged. And just a few years ago, the top five fears of 7 to 10-year-olds was being kidnapped, dying, AIDS, not being able to breathe, and being threatened with a gun. The world is bombarding them with every kind of evil under the sun, and it's creating with them every kind of fear possible. And whereas before we recognized these things in adults because we had a little life experience, we could put these things in context by our life experience and our faith in Christ that we had learned. These children are growing up many times, most of the time, without any knowledge of Jesus Christ whatsoever. And they are being bombarded with a pop culture that gives them nothing to hope in, nothing to believe in, and everything to fear. And this is the result. Every moment in our life is an opportunity embraced or lost. And every opportunity that we have to influence a child is one we cannot let pass by. But these opportunities come with a cost. Faith without works is dead. We can all give good lip service to the desire to see our children know Jesus. And we can all give lip service to the idea it is a wonderful thing for people and children to come to know Christ. But we have to commit to be a part of the process. There are a lot of folks who say, well, I'm just not called to that. We just talked about a week ago the Great Commission. Every single one of us are called to make disciples. And unless Jesus has specifically told you it's not to be in the children's department, every opportunity you have to make disciples is an opportunity to fulfill God's commission, Great Commission on your life. Don't let yourself get out of it by making some kind of excuse like, I just can't do that because I'm not called to that. Some folks say, well, I just physically can't do this anymore. I can't pick up kids and do this. We've got a place back there for you in a desk you can sit at and let somebody else, by your being there, go and do the job that you may physically not be able to do. See, you have to commit to be here. There's a cost to this. You have to become involved. Every passing moment when you have contact with a child, but in the ministry we have to children as well. The most important, most vital ministry of any church is its ministry to its children because 85% of people come to know Christ between the ages of 4 and 14. A children's ministry should have the most money. A children's ministry should have the most prayer over it. A children's ministry should have the most people volunteering to be a part of it because most people are going to accept Christ between the ages of 4 and 14. 
but it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to commit to be here. That's one of the greatest reasons people will not commit to work in the children's department is because they don't want to make a commitment to be here except for right now when they're here. Most people want to make the decision about whether or not to come to church based on what the weather's like when they open their eyes and how they feel when they put their feet on the ground. To be a part of a children's ministry, you've got to commit that I'm going to be here three weeks from today. Other people say, well, I don't want to miss church. Well, let me tell you something. Nobody should want to miss church. Unfortunately, the real issue is, is they already miss church two times out of the month and don't want to commit to the children's ministry, which would cause them to miss a third time in the month. People here today say, man, this is real uncomfortable. Listen, our faith is one to be walked and lived, not as a matter of convenience, but as a matter of commitment. Our God sent His Son to die on the cross of bloody, cruel death for our salvation eternally. Every second that ticks by on the clock that we have and what we call time here on the earth, we should make the most of for Him in return. It's going to cost you something to be a part of the lives of these kids. But let me tell you, there is no reward so great than to be a part of the lives of these children and helping them see and know Jesus. We have 608 hours for those that are here 90% of the time. We have to make the most of it. We have to make the children's ministry the very, very best that we can. We're small in number, big in heart, and great in faith, but faith, again, without works is dead. It means nothing to have good intentions. We have to follow him. You know, Geneva Thurman, she's an old lady now. Now, when you're eight years old, six and eight years old, everybody looks old, don't they? So I always thought Geneva Thurman was probably about 100 years old every time since I've known her probably. Now she's almost 100 years old. She was church secretary. And she did all kinds of other jobs in the church. And she taught third grade Sunday school. Geneva Thurman, to this day, has no idea that she probably made any impact, really, of any kind on my life. And there are probably a great many kids whom she made an impact upon beyond me, and in addition to me, I'm sure. But there's going to come a day when the books are going to be open and our lives are going to be seen for what they were. And there are going to be rewards handed out. And I'm going to tell you right now, Geneva Thurman is going to have a great many rewards for how she poured into the lives of the kids at the Inglewood Baptist Church. She was kind. She was excited all the time. She loved Jesus. Her great desire was for us to know the Lord and for her to share Christ and the love of Christ in any way that she could. And I've always remembered her. I've always remembered her life and the difference Jesus made in her life. She was a widow. She was widowed young, at least relatively so. She wasn't one of these people that just checked out after her husband died. She just checked in for what God had next and poured into the lives of everybody around her. There are all kinds of people like that in my life, men and women, who made impact upon me. But in each and every case, it costs them something to be a part of the Great Commission and leading children to know Christ. 
Yes, our parents have the responsibility. Our parents have a huge task before them. They do. The church must rise up and help them. We must rise up and help them with a strong, powerful, faith-filled, prayed-over ministry to our kids. Now, I'm not saying we're doing an all-bad job here right now. Don't get me wrong. We have a great children's minister. We have a great Awanas program. We have great things going on Sunday morning here. We have not even close to enough people involved in the ministries to make them run, especially on Sunday morning. This very morning, we don't have enough folks back there to make things run. And we've been left with a great choice. We've been left, either we stop having children's worship on Sunday morning and have nothing on Sunday morning for kids, or we go hire people to come in and help us from the seminary to run simple things on Sunday morning that each of our lay people could do. You see, we see the opportunity around us in our grandkids. We see the opportunity around us in our kids. We see the opportunity around us as the kids run around us and see us and know us. But specifically, we need to see the opportunity we have to plug in to children's worship, to plug in to extended care, to love on these kids. My little girl's two years old. She loves Kim Chapman. She loves her. She loves a lot of you too. Don't get me wrong. But Kim and Belia and some of these others who have been with her so much and helped her and taught her in Sunday school so much and spent so much time with her, she knows them. She loves them. She's learning from them. You have opportunity to be a part of that too. Let me, let me just tell you today, you need to understand and you need to hear what I'm saying. It's not a guilt trip that I'm trying to put you on this morning. It's trying to open up your heart to the opportunity, to the vision, to be a part of something bigger than yourself, and to be a part of something that Christ is doing in the world around us right this very moment to save this generation of kids. We complain so much about our world. We complain so much about the evils of our world and how bad our world is. When sometimes we lament uh, you know, how little our kids and this young generation knows about Christ. Let me tell you something. You go to any elementary school in this town and start talking to them about Jonah, 95 to 99% of the kids in the class have no idea whatsoever what you're talking about. You go in there and start talking to them about Noah, same percentage knows absolutely nothing about the flood. These kids know nothing about the basic stories of Scripture and certainly know absolutely nothing about Jesus Christ. We have an opportunity. We pray for revival. We pray that God would pour His Holy Spirit out upon us. And God wants to do that, and I believe God is going to do that. But let me tell you something. Unless we are willing to be a part of what He's doing, why would He ever do so? If we don't have the faith and the willingness to step out on our faith upon the water, why would He give us the ability to walk on that water? See, we want the power of God just so we know it's there in case we need it. But God says, I'm ready to pour my power on you because I'm ready for you to get up out of that boat, walk on the water, and do great things with me. And we've got to commit to do so. So this morning, my challenge to you is this. We as parents, we must make the commitment to guard the hearts and minds of our kids, to love them, to pour into them, to influence them. To make it the priority of our life to train them up in the ways of Christ so that when they grow up, they'll not depart from it. And you as grandparents and aunts and uncles and, and cousins, you that have opportunities to pour into younger brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. This morning, make the commitment to follow Christ and be a part of what He's doing 
and the lives of kids around you. And we as a church, number one, we need to pray. We need to pray for our kids to know Christ and follow Him, to love Him, and not be influenced by the Kardashians and the Kanye's and the Biebers of the world and start following after Christ and being influenced by us and ultimately by His Holy Spirit. And then we've got to put foot to faith. I'll tell you something. We, we are, this morning, let me tell you how we're going to have an opportunity to do this this morning. This morning, as you walk out this door right here, there's going to be a table there where you can sign your name next to a blank line for a slot that we need help with on Sunday mornings. The only thing you have to do to work in our children's ministry is to have a background check and a willingness to love kids. We will help you. We will teach you. We will train you. We will show you what to say, how to say, and everywhere you need to be and whatever you need to do. If you don't want to teach, you want to go back there and sit and be with kids and help watch kids and love on kids, these little bitty kids, there's a place for you. You want to sit at a desk and check people in, there's a place for you. But listen, we're not just talking about this this morning. We're acting on this. See, I'm asking you to commit to pray for Rachel. I'm asking you to commit to pray for all of our children's workers. I'm asking you to pray for Awanas. But I'm asking you to be involved in these things. Listen, there's no retirement age from the kingdom of God. There's no excuse. There's no excuse to set yourself on the, on the shelf, young, old alike. See, this morning I'm saying let's pray about it. But not pray about whether to be a part of it. I'm saying pray over it. And I'm saying get out here and start being a part of it. I'm saying put your name. You're going to be amazed at how many blank lines there are next to things that need to be done on Sunday morning. Listen, guys, these kids need us, and God is bringing them here. Look at how much the children's ministry has grown in just these past two, three, four years. Look at how the youth ministry has grown in these last two, three, four years. And they need us to be a part of what God is doing in their life. They need you, Mama. They need you, Granddad. They need you, Grandma. But they need us as the church. They need us to be who we're called to be for them. So this morning as we close today, I'm asking you to pray for the kids of this generation. And I'm asking you to pray for the kids in this church. I'm asking you to pray for this children's ministry. And I'm asking you to commit to be a part of it. I'm asking you to be a part of what God is doing here among our kids in this place.